This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Good afternoon, everyone. Good morning, possibly good evening, good whatever it is, and welcome back to the Roker Report podcast. I'm your host, Alex, as always, and Sunderland are still, as of the time recording, this not very good at football, but we have some questions for some listeners, and we'll just jump straight in and start answering them. Everything to do with Sunderland as of the time of this being recorded. I'm joined today in the studio, by the way. I totally forgot to mention there, which obviously isn't brilliant. It's not just me on a big monologue here. I'm joined by Scott from the Echo. How are you doing, Scott? I'm very well. All right. Brilliant. Good stuff. Yep. I'm I'm all right. You know, I'm I'm, I'm plodding on. You know, I'm, I've got to try, haven't we? Yeah. You know, I've you, you can always be better, but, uh, you know, it's it's hard to see how much worse we could be. <laughs> but yeah, I'm also joined by Jeff from BBC Look North. How are you doing, Jeff? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. Apart yeah. from a sprained ankle playing tennis. But uh, well, you know, it's uh, it is what it is. Yeah. It happens. Got to get on with it. Much yeah. like the football season. Precisely that, yeah. yeah. If if uh, life is a game of tennis, then Sunderland is the sprained angle that you've received after that game. <laughs> That's generally how it goes. So as I say, we'll just jump straight in with some questions. Um, the first one comes from Eric Jones. How concerned should we be with the manner of the defeat at Scunthorpe? Parkin said we were going into the game with the intention of winning it. We picked up a strong we picked a strong lineup, but we weren't able to compete with the 85th best team in the Football League. It's pretty damning when it's put like that. What do you think, Scott? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a um, nice, nice, uh, soft, relaxing one to get in with her. Um, uh, well, uh, I mean, in, in isolation, uh, you know, losing what was the checker trade, now the leasing.com, whatever the hell you want to call it, you know, it's it's not the end of the world, is it? I think clearly the, the more worrying aspect is it's kind of part of a pattern that Phil Parkinson hasn't had an instant impact. Things haven't really improved since Jack Ross left. There hasn't, you know, there hasn't really been a massive discernible change either in terms of the way the team's setting up, the way the team's playing, the, the, the points total. So, you know, that's the worry, isn't it? it, it you know, a, a one-off game that doesn't matter if Sunderland go through or not, not really, you know, to a certain extent, Tuesday night at Gillingham's going to be the same. They, they go down there, you know, whatever happens down there is not going to make or break the season. But at some stage soon, we, we are going to have to see signs that there is an improvement here. Otherwise, you know, you, you limp towards January and, by the time you get to a situation where you can change anything, the the gap to the top two could be, you know, could be pretty big, couldn't it? Absolutely. You look at the games that were played, many of which under Parkinson, games like, you know, FA Cup first round games mm. and then the subsequent replays, leasing.com ties against youth teams and Scunthorpe. Yeah. And they're all bitty games. And in the grand scheme of the season, they are effectively meaningless. I think most Sunderland fans would agree. But is there an argument to be made, of course, that if you are continuously losing games and drawing games and ultimately not winning games, that those little bitty games make up 
what is the sum of its parts, and that is, you know, a, a bad start for Parkinson and one going to get the fans against him, not not on his side. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. I mean, you know, I, I do have a little bit of sympathy in them in that I'm pretty certain he wouldn't have wanted to start this way with this many games and this many different competitions. And, it, it, you know, it doesn't feel like there's been any kind of rhythm or any kind of pattern. And, you know, he, is, is the teams he's been picking on a Tuesday have had to be different to the teams he's been picking on a Saturday, etc. So, you know, I, I do have a bit of sympathy there. And I think that I think that probably, you know, there does have to be a reservation of judgment until he gets a run of four or five league games on the spin and we see what teams he's actually putting out there and whether he can change anything. But, you know, fundamentally, you're right. You know, as, as, we, as we've learned to our cost at Sunderland down the years, if you're continually losing football matches in whatever competition you're playing in, then, you know, that dictates the mood, that dictates the narrative, that dictates how the fans are feeling when they're turning up to a game. So, yeah, you know, it does matter. And if, you know if they do go down to Gillingham and get knocked out on Tuesday night, then that's just another setback. So, you know, I, I, I think it is important that they start turning the results around. Although, you know, I, I, I do accept that ultimately it's the league games that are going to matter. That Scunthorpe game, I mean, it could have gone the other way, couldn't it? If Luke 9 had got the penalty, which you know, I saw the, the, the footage of it. Oh, it was a, it was storm a storm. Storm. penalty. And then, to get sent off and was it really a sending off and then suddenly you're down to 10 men yeah. and, and, it, and it sort of got away from them a, a, a bit and ultimately I think most fans didn't want to be in that competition anyway yeah. but you're right it is the manner of it isn't it I think if you had a team full of kids you would have sort of half accepted it but um, and there's fact- been there's been a few like that I mean you know Oxford in the cup is the, is another prime example where you know how on earth he doesn't give the penalty late on for 9 and, and that potentially changes things but mm. um, but you know if you're right, it, it just doesn't feel like there's been a real fundamental shift since Jack Ross left, which no, clearly no. that was the hope, you know, that, mm-hmm. that you flick a switch and, and things change. And, and, you know, you'd have to say to this point, that hasn't really happened, has it? No, no. I think my worry looking at it is that there has been a change from my point of view, but there also really hasn't been a change. The main gripe that the Sunderland fads had under Jack Ross, and we've said it before on the pod, but the, uh, the wasn't like a discernible identity and there wasn't, it wasn't ever like a team that looked hungry to attack from the off and to continue mm. doing so for the whole 90. Now, Parkinson's fielded teams who seem to really prioritise forward runs and forward passes and really do just seem to go for it a lot more. Mm. But while that is a big change, it hasn't changed any of the end product. Like the kind of scorelines we're seeing, bar the Tranmere game, are the kind of games we would see under Ross, you know, 1-0s and 1-1s and just games where we are having a lot of the ball, but we aren't scoring. So I think while it's all well and good that we are, you know, a- attempting to be more clinical, the fact of the matter is that trying hard doesn't equate to being successful. Well, he's got the same personnel, hasn't he, Vir- virtually? And, and, yeah. and it's not a free-scoring team, is it? It's. Uh, I mean, they, they, they uh, look back at this last year when the club you know, went down to the to the League One, and you think lowest possible. Well, second time they've been down this. But for the last time they went down to this uh, to this level, they found Marco Gabbiadini from nowhere. Mm. Um, previously, you know, and then when the uh, when they went to the Stadium of Light, having just been relegated from nowhere, they found Kevin Phillips. So two of the lowest points in the history, they found goal scorers from absolutely nowhere. And last year, from nowhere, Madger suddenly emerged. And I'm no, I've no doubt that if he'd stayed for the rest of the season, he would have finished up with 25, 30 goals and the team would have been promoted. Mm. And so, and that just hasn't been replaced. They're not a free scoring team. They're not a team full of goal scorers. So although Parkinson looks like he's trying to get them to be more urgent and get the ball up front more often, 
it's still the same players, you know. Yeah. Still, you got Will Grigg there, who's, who's not seems to have not got the, you know, he's lost yeah. that spark, whatever spark he had. The record that he that he has as a goal scorer, he's just not brought it here. Charlie White's out. McNulty's been sort of drifting yeah, in and out around. of the team. I mean, I suspect White's the one that he would like to play. I suspect that had White been fit he would have started because just looking at Parkinson's previous teams and the way he tends to set up, I, I suspect that that, um, that White's the one that he wants to get fit to kind of lead the line for him. Now, you know, is that is that going to create a lot more goal-scoring opportunities on the evidence of watching Charlie White play so far? You'd probably say not, but... Mm. That you know that that seems to be the way that he would like to set up. So you know, I suspect that once Wyke is backing up and running, he will be the one that that leads the line, and they'll try and play off him. And you know, b- b- largely because of Wyke's injury record, we haven't really seen that a lot over the eight, last eighteen months, where mm. you've had a run of a couple of months where you've tried to play that way. So you know, maybe that will spark some kind of a change, but. You know, it feels like it's it's a bit of a clutch and straw job to a degree. Mm-hmm. If we're banging all our hopes on Charlie Wyke to get us promoted when he comes back from injury, just because Parkinson seems to value that kind of player, I think we probably will be hoping in vain. And to say we would be clutching at straws, Scott, I think would be a massive understatement. I think <laughs> I think I think, I think that's a very valid. <laughs> I think point. That's fair, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, like based on the evidence, like from what, watching Charlie Wyke, I mean, I've never seen him look remotely competent with the ball at his feet. He's not particularly dominant in the air for the kind of bloke. Yeah, for the player that he is. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. Again, you know, I guess the only caveat is he hasn't he hasn't really had that run at it, has he? He's never looked particularly fit. He's always seems to have had some kind of niggling thing going on. You know, clearly the worry is you, you bring him back and, and how long is it going to take him to actually get up to kind of full proper fitness? You know, mm-hmm. is that is that time you've got? Maybe not. But, um, but I, I think if you probably said to Phil Parkinson when he first walked through the door... How do you see your team playing with that squad you've got? I think he would he would have probably said, "Well, I see White being the number nine, and then yeah. we kind of play off that." And mm-hmm. clearly, it hasn't happened yet. Evidently not. No. A similar question about strikers. It's not about White. It's about the other one. It's about Will Grigg. It comes from David Waterhouse, who says, "With Stuart Donald admitting that we aren't getting value for money on Will Grigg, do you think the club will look at cashing in in January?" Mm. And how much cash to get for him? That's the problem. <laughs> the moment. Yeah, I mean, you know, how how on earth do you cash in for Will? You know. I cannot see championship clubs clamouring to sign Will Grigg in January. So mm. if you're talking about selling Will Grigg to another League One club, then you're just not going to get your money back, are you? It's, no. as, it's as simple as that. My two fees there are that one, as you say, you won't get your money back. Obviously, uh, to my knowledge, I don't believe we paid $4 million up front for Will Grigg. I believe yeah. it was a smaller fee, which would stack based on what he achieves, which yeah. evidently isn't much. You know, n- yeah. not, not, not much has transpired since he, since he arrived, but... The other fear as well, uh, and I don't know, I, I'll go to you on this one, Jeff, but like the one fear that I have with Will Grigg is that obviously championship clubs like like Scott says aren't going to want to look at him, and that's mm-hmm. fair enough. Of course they wouldn't. But if a championship club does, for example, my fear is that, you know, as in typical Sunderland fashion, someone will know how to play him, <laughs> will sell him to them, and then he'll run riot with them. And then, you know... That well, he, just won't end well for us one way or another. You know, he has he has got a decent a decent record behind him, which is obviously why they why they pushed and pushed to to bring him here. But I remember Lee Clark, who obviously sits in on a on a Monday night on uh, Look North with me when they signed him, said the best thing you can do it with him is is get get him to score the goals, that get someone promoted, and then sell him because he won't do it in the championship. He said he's a League One, he's a League mm-hmm. One, League Two player. So, but. but 
it's it's sometimes like that with strikers, isn't it? I mean, I've seen it so many times down the years. I think Danny Graham's probably the best example. I was at the Reading game when he when he made his first appearance for Sunderland, and he had a point blank header in the six yard box, which was astonishingly Reading yeah. managed to push it over the bar. I thought, oh, and if that one had gone in, who knows? I mean, because mm-hmm. Danny Graham couldn't hit the barn door and, and no. you, you, you ended up feeling for him. And Will Grigg had so many of those moments in yeah. his early games for Sunderland. And it's just like, he's never really, you know, he, he's lost that confidence and you know, sadly for him, you can't see him getting it back. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, you're right. You know, you, you, you kind of, you, you kind of watch him and, and you, you struggle to see what kind of team he's going to excel in, if that makes sense, because you're right, you know, he's, not particularly physical. He, he's not exceptionally fast, um, and yet you know he, he has scored goals at this level. So mm. clearly there is there is a player in there. But I, you know I, I think you're right. I think it's I think it is heading towards the stage where it's hard to see now how he really you know turns it round at Sunderland and, and and kind of resurrects things. But you know like I say on the flip side, I'm not sure how you how you then make the decision. Well, okay, we'll we'll, we'll get shot and we'll cash in because I just I just think you're right enough. You know, a, a big, big chunk of money there. Mm-hmm. A massive one. I'm going to change tack slightly with a question from John Chester because obviously we're full of positivity here, but we have more <laughs> questions pertaining to other members of the team. Obviously, there are a plethora of issues up front for Sunderland, but mm. one fairly alarming, well, uh, uh, whether or not maybe you interpret these comments are alarming is maybe based on how you see them, but a question from John Chester says, what are your thoughts on Grand Ledbetter's comments post-match saying, you can't have little groups, we need to stick together? It it gives John says it gives me the impression that the dressing room is split. Do you think we have another so called rotten core, Jeff? <laughs> I think I think in any football team, any football team, any must have played in any any groups, any any businesses, you do get that. You get people who stick together, and you get a few who want to do do whatever. I mean, it inevitably as well when you when a team is struggling, the first thing that people say is, "Oh, there's something wrong in the dressing room," or "There's a, there, there are cliques." Um, and I don't know. I mean, Grant Grant's an interesting one because he, he 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 quite often gets wheeled out, doesn't he? As the, well, I was just, as the local. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was just going to kind of. I mean, so I've covered Grant at Borough for well, best part of a decade now, really. Mm. And um, I mean, he's a, he's a lovely fella, but he's probably the most intense footballer that I've ever met, ever. Intense um, how? Intense as in he he takes everything so much to heart, and it's not. It's probably accentuated at Sunderland because it's his club and his comeback and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But even even at Borough, he he was the leader in the dressing room. He was the one demanding things from people. Um, to the point that you know, as Jeff said, you know, because he was captain at Borough quite a lot as well. He he often would be the one who we would we would speak to after a defeat. Um, and you could just see straight away kind of the intensity of how much it meant to him and how mm. much it was hurting and how annoyed he was and how frustrated he was. So, you know, I, I I wouldn't necessarily take a real literal view of that as in the dressing room splintered and blah, blah. I think Grand Ledbetter would have gone in after that game, looked every other person in the eye and said, you know what, that I'm not happy with any of you there. Mm. Um, and I'm not happy with myself. And I'm not happy with this football club. And I'm not happy being here. And I'm not happy having to get on the bus home. And I'm not happy with what I'm going to do the rest of the <laughs> and night. Not happy and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm certainly not happy Again. having to sit here and speak to you. Um, and I just think that's the way that, that Grant is. Now, you know, um, it, clearly he's kind of coming towards the end of his, his career and, and you know, the, the legs aren't there, et cetera, et cetera. But 
I still think he'll be a ve- well, I, you know, I'm pretty certain that he is a very, very influential person within that dressing room, even now, even today, um, and he will be for the rest of the season. And he will call people out, but I, you know, I have, I'm pretty certain that after that game, he'll have been calling out a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine so. Yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think we're in a position now. Again, I, I don't, I don't know the lads personally. I don't know what happens, you know, behind closed doors. But we've been in positions in the past where we've had players who, you know, were effectively mercenaries here, where there, there, there was no commitment to the club. There was, you know, there, there were loads of buzzwords to describe all, like mm-hmm. your eyes and your corners. And, you know, in in the modern age of Sunderland, we don't have the luxury of having um, Darren Gibson wheel himself out into, into yeah. pubs and letting everybody know just who isn't performing and just who cares about the club, you know, to, to put it mildly without any sort of profanities. But... <laughs> Yeah, I think we're in. I think we're. Well, that's probably because nothing seeps out like that because we're we're in like a sort of period where most of the players are genuine. I would say, and, and like I say, I don't know them as people. Mm-hmm. I know them as footballers, but you just see the way that like they're like they hold themselves in sort of PR and with their demeanor. Lads like Max Power and Luke 9 lads like that make up the the spine of the of the team, and and they just they don't seem like shirkers. I mean, I think that's just me. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think a lot of that is because you've got, a, you know, the bulk of that dressing room has played most of its career in League One and League Two. You know, you, you haven't got the, the, the types of characters, the types of individuals that you had before. What you also haven't got now is is the massive disparities of income that you had when they went down to the Championship and when they then went down to League One. And, you know, that has to, when things aren't going well, you know, if, if you're looking at, for you know, for all that, for all the um for all his qualities or whatever you know if you're looking at a Lee Catamore or a Brian Oviedo on 20 30 times what you're earning and they're not getting picked for the starting lineup or you don't think they've had a particularly good game then i just think it's human nature that that comes into your thinking and that yeah. that has to become an issue mm. and i think Jack Ross always felt that it was a bit of an issue so um you know you haven't got that anymore and 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 like i say you know I, you look at that squad now and you know, most most of that squad have spent the vast majority of their career playing at this kind of level. So, you know, yeah, I, 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 the one thing I don't look at is the dressing room and think that it's all over the place and you've got cliques and you've got mm. some that aren't trying. So, you know, you can argue about whether some of them are good enough, definitely. But I, I, I yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really see that. No. I think it's difficult as well because we we just don't get the access to 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 players now to know, you know, what they're like. Out, you know, outside the dressing room, and or yeah, the last time it, the, the the club was down um, at this level, uh, we got invited on the team bus. We used to travel on the team bus to the press to, to games, and you actually physically got to know the you know, Eric Gates and Gary Bennett, yeah. and Gabbers, and all the rest of them. You know, the, the the management would sit in the front, the players would sit in the back, the press would sit in the middle, and you'd travel to away games. We had a whole season of that, and you just got yeah. to know people, and and you you got it's to a different appreciate. Dynamic, it, it? It's completely different. So it, and yeah, football was different in those days, in those days as well. You know, the uh, so to for anyone to say to with any certainty that they know what's going on in dressing rooms and what cliques, I just don't think we get that sort of access yeah. anymore. No, and like like I say, we, we we were relying before on players like Darren Gibson making a yes. clot of himself. <laughs> yeah, you know, go, you know, getting drunk and just spouting whatever he wanted to spout at the time. But it's it, it's all it's all under wraps, really, isn't it? The only time you ever see player interactions is, you know, to like them going to and from games on the team bus. There's there's not much else other than mm. that. Yeah, yeah, and I, and you know, I 
Yeah, and I just I don't I don't think you know kind of at this level you've you've really got those those kind of characters that ended up coming down in that championship season and and like you say towards the end of the Premier League you know I just yeah I, I, I you know I, I don't see that really within the squad. No, I think logically uh, looking at Sunderland over the past over the past half a decade, this should be the most united the squad's been for a while, just based on common ideals. Um, you know, like common career paths, mm. common money earned. We're, we're at a point now where everyone is earning more or less the same money. To mm. my knowledge, everyone is, everyone has, does have more or less the same CV of playing in League One and League Two. But yeah, I, I think that's that's. I think depending on whether or not you're a cynic, that I, that's either a, a sign of maybe a better unity in the squad or a sign of how far we've fallen. But that again mm. depends on well, the pessimist. Correct, fourth probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of that, we have a question from a question from Amy Kennedy who says, "As Sunderland fans, is this the lowest that Sunderland's ever been as a football club?" I would think it probably is. Yeah, it does feel does feel like that. Um, I was thinking about this the other day, and, and the whole it's just a, a change in nature of football as well. You know, when I started watching football, which was 50 years ago. I know, I know you wouldn't think it. You wouldn't think I don't look old enough. But, you know, you'd go to a game and, uh, you know, you'd stand in an open terrace and if it rained, you got wet. And if you, But if your team won, great. If they lost, didn't matter, there was another game next week. And it wasn't, it wasn't that intense, you know. Yeah. It wasn't the end of the world. Something that did, did nothing for about six, seven, eight years under Alan Brown, but still had the same manager and got relegated and he still you know, he was still around for another couple of years. It's just, it, nowadays, every defeat seems to be like yeah, the, end of the, the end of the world. I think there is that. Yeah, I think there definitely is that, that. And I think that's part of the, you know, I, I think we all, as the media, fall into this where every game is an event and everything has to mean something and, and you know, you have a right to be entertained and et cetera, et cetera. And like you say, you know, I just don't think that sentiment was there 20, 30 years ago. No. Oh. Um so that does definitely feed into things. I completely agree. Um, it almost corresponds with like the sensationalism, isn't it? Where, as you say there, the more that media and the press evolves, the more the more like different platforms take off. You know, mm. obviously, 20, 30 years ago, there was no such thing as social media. Yeah. Mm. Many different platforms take off. Yeah. You know, you, you get the advent of things like HD. And they sound like very minor points, but they all add up to make... Um, a sort of like a, a a platform and like a social sort of stratosphere where yeah. everyone is is feeling like it's all projected and it's all a lot more yeah. sensationalized and 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 you know I, I know football fans hate this and i understand why they hate this but the idea of football fans as customers and you have a right to you know you pay your money so you have a right to be entertained and you have a right to demand this and and you know i, I think as jeff said you know 30 or 40 years ago you turned up because it's what you did it's what you family had always done, it's what you did with your mates on a Saturday afternoon. And to a certain degree, what you were watching on the pitch was was felt a bit more incidental in that because it was just what you did and they won some games and they lost some games and every now and then they had a promotion campaign, every now and then they had a relegation campaign. But in the large, it was just you went to football on a Saturday afternoon. And I do think there's an element now where, you know, yeah, you have a... Now, you know, I haven't said that, the reality is still that Sunderland are... You know, yes. hovering dangerously close to mid-table in the third yeah. tier, and that is not acceptable in any way, shape, or form. So, you know, we can we can talk all we like about kind of um, you know, what people have a right to demand or whatever, mm. but I think everybody would accept that Sunderland fans have a right to demand something a bit better than this. I think part part of the thing about 
demanding thing is is all city stadium has certainly made a difference because when suddenly you're paying you know 20 yeah. 30 quid or whatever and you and you're sitting down and suddenly it's like it's the equivalent of going to the theater or going to the pictures but if you've got the pictures you go to the theater you choose to go because you think oh i'm going to enjoy that film i'm going to but you can pay 20 30 40 50 quid go to a football match and it's awful, and you're not guaranteed. And that's what—that is yeah. one thing that sort of builds up the, the you know, the, the anger. But also, you know, it, it is it is the lowest point in in the in the in the club's you know near 140 year history. And having said that, you know, I covered when I, my first job was in Birmingham, uh, and I was covering the Midlands, and I covered Wolves in the old fourth division. Um, you know, Leeds spent three years in League One. Southampton were down there. Sheffield United spent six seasons mm-hmm. in League One, and look where they are now. I'm, I'm afraid. Uh, my dad, my old dad, used to have a saying, and which used to really get on my nerves. Uh, used to say, uh, "What can't be cured must be endured." I said, "What do you mean by that?" And he said, "Well, you just got to put up with it. Yeah. If you can't put it, you just got to put up with it." And I'm afraid at the moment, something fast has just got to suck it up, and and this is where the club is, and it will change. You know, it will change it in, in of time. Course, yeah, but. The, the same it, it may United. take a few years. It may yeah. take several yeah. years. The but, same Sheffield United team who've just beaten so many other great teams this season were in League One three years ago. And I think that's, just for the sake of perspective, as you say there, Jeff, it's important to remember, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. The teams in the division, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a volatile... If you were to watch in like fast motion um, every single season playing out, every team moving up and down through the leagues in like a... You know, in like one of those, you know, when like you take a video of like flowers blooming and then like you speed it up. Yeah, like, yeah. If you were to watch that, like of like the the divisions over ten years, uh, you know, you you would it, it would be you know it, it would be offensive to the eyes to to say that, wouldn't it? You know, it would be because the, the 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 nature of how teams move around the divisions is extremely volatile, and and at, at times you know completely unpredictable. It's almost like chaos theory. It's it's crazy. I, I think it's just part of it is that when something got relegated, having seen what Newcastle did twice bounce straight back they expected that and to go in the other mm-hmm. in the other direction and then to drop further down but what one of the worrying things is that one thing Jack Ross said was towards the end of last season was that um the because he used to speak quite often off the record to to a lot of the guys and he, he said there was no plan there was no plan other than get promoted there's no long term plan he said if you look at Luton they've built a team that's got come through mm-hmm. you know they've got kids and they've introduced them and they've yeah. had a style and it's got them from the mm-hmm. um, from the National League through League 2 League yep. 1 now in the Championship and the signing of Will Grigg would prove that assertion he said uh, he said look the, the uh, he said look at Portsmouth he said their plan is only to play, sign players over 6 foot you know, so you might think that's that's a, that's a useless plan but it works for them you know big guys and he said this club he, only plan was get promoted. So early on last season, they were playing a few kids and it started quite well. And then he seemed to get a bit more cautious as it's getting a bit more nervous. Yeah. And he rely more and more on older players. And, and they just there's no long-term plan at this no. club other than get promoted somehow and, <laughs> yeah. then, and then sort it out. Well, speaking of over six foot, I'm going to have to take a little, <laughs> little, little diversion there from the dialogue because while we were talking rather seamlessly, Anth, Anth of the Roker Report has has meandered his way into the room and has now sat across from me in the recording studio. So it's only fair that as I've introduced the other two guests, I introduce the third. How are you doing, Good afternoon. Good uh, afternoon. Yeah, I mean, I found the place. That's that's half the battle now. It is like, in it, yeah. Let's just chat about how awful Sunderland are. It's great. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm always the positive one. Uh, I, 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 naturally, yeah, as we've found out, you know, yeah. you're, just, you're just plodding on there, Anthony. you okay? You're just... Yeah, great, yeah, apart from... 
it's toying it down outside and yeah. you know, just getting worse as every day goes on. Going might, from one might, crisis to the next, of course. It might as well snow now and just finish us off. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we, in, in the words of Martin Bain on Sun Until I Die, we are where we are. You've, you've sworn the podcast again. I have, haven't I? Yeah, that, that's another thing for the swear jar, isn't it? Yeah, anyway, yeah. we'll move on, Anthony. We'll give you the, next, the very next question. Yes, please. Connor... <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Connor, Connor Ebelwhite says, when he returns to the side, what are your thoughts on making Lyndon Gooch captain? We have no leaders in the team at the moment, and I think he isn't afraid to get stuck in with encouragement or bollocking people when needed. What do you make of that one? A captain's that important anymore? It's it's not the nineties anymore, is it? When you you know you go in the in the in the dressing room and you get a slap about by you know Roy Keane or someone beautiful like that. Uh, you get nothing like that anymore. It's all just it's basically. I mean, I'd take Lyndon Gooch as captain just because he's a trier, but it's not. Um, I don't think it's the be all be all and end all of our season. I don't think a good captain would push us up there. I think we need a bit of quality and a bit of pace. We need someone who's got pace to deal with things it's not necessarily mm. a, an issue with the captaincy um northern knows the answer no. <laughs> <laughs> oh well that was a, that was a, very, a, yeah. a very long-winded answer yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you finally made it here Anth. We, we really need it. <laughs> but no um to be honest coming back to that question um i'll i'll, I'll throw you a follow-up Anth, just to just to make you keep talking but if we're looking at that one um, Connor says we have no leaders in the team now. I I strongly disagree. With I, that. I disagree with that. Yeah, I think we've got some leaders. Uh, I think even Tom Flanagan's a bit of a leader. I think even when he came out and uh, he was getting slated when he was coming out of his own time to sign a few autographs, mm-hmm. he's getting slated. He dealt with that perfectly. He did. Um, even mm-hmm. though I would have went out swinging windmilling, I'd have been fuming about it. Um, but he was, he was great. It was. I mean, I think he's probably a captain figure. But he's is he that good on the field to be able to? Yeah, I think there's an expectation that a captain would have to justify holding down a, 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 a uh, consistent yeah. first team place. So we've got is... Grant Ledbetter who keeps getting dropped uh, every every other week, and it just is he good enough to to consistently play in in League One? We're well, currently um, well, the main great with Ledbetter, and it's one that I personally have. You know, while I've got all the time in the world for Grant, and I think he's a oh, great, absolutely. I think I think he's a brilliant ambassador for the club, and probably it's a great, great role model as well. Yeah, mm. yeah, he's he's a great person for like the Sunderland identity to rally around if yeah, you know what I mean absolutely, yeah. but the, the issue is that like again it's it's the, it's the cliche but his legs are going yeah. when, it, when he comes on you know we need to play a style of football to get out of league one where you have, you have to score goals yeah. you know to put it bluntly you know it, it like not conceding is secondary to scoring goals because that's what wins yeah. your games every time he plays you know you're going to get slowed down it's yeah. uh, fair enough if we're playing against Man United in the cup and we're, mm-hmm. we're 1-0 up yeah. Ledbetter would slow the game down and stop everything from happening but we don't need that in League 1 we need to score more goals than the other side well, and precisely. it's not happening yeah. at the moment we're currently um, I mean I'm not I'm not one of those advocates of oh we need I don't know Kevin Keegan style exciting football from 1996 yeah. uh, but we do need to attack a lot more than what we mm. are we, we sit back we defend from we're basically minute five now even though Phil Parkinson's renowned as this attacking style attacking minded manager we still manage to sit back do you and, think so? And, and panic. I, I really do. I think we sit back and panic. Um, I think we'll look a lot, we'll look a lot more positive. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Not like the London Jack Ross when we went 1-0 up and we slung 11 players behind the ball and hoped for the best. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that's, it's a bit different to that, but I still think we are too scared to go and get that second or third goal. Um, the only time I've seen it happen in two years now is Tranmere. 
And uh, yeah. since Tranmere, we've mm-hmm. went back into that bubble where we, we've been terrified to concede again. Whereas if we'd scored that second or that third, yeah. continue playing the way we were playing, we'd have managed to... Maybe that is the makeup of the of the players. You know, speaking to so many ex players over the years, and they yeah. say you've to play at the Stadium of Light, you've got to have that. You've got to have a strong character because mm-hmm. when things are going well for you, it's it's there's you know no better place in the world. Oh, yeah. And when things are going badly, it is so <clears throat> difficult. And because the club's been on such a downer for so many years, mm-hmm. when when they it's almost you get into a winning position and. There's more to lose, you yeah. know, and they're more yeah. nervous. I, mm-hmm. I did a talk in with Jack Ross, and again, big top marks to him because it was two weeks after he got sacked, and he yeah. still did. He still did the talk, oh, which was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And he was asked that question: Why did you not go for the jugular? And he and he he said it wasn't my instructions. <laughs> he said it wasn't me telling him to sit back. He yeah. said that was just the way it was. Mm. He, he so he was. Basically, what saying do mean it's by more that? to do with yeah. the, it's more to do with the players, the players who who couldn't handle it as much. Right. That was the implication. He said, "I never told them this. Did, there was no in those days that I say sit back on this lead." He said, "That's yeah." So he was, and and that's and that's almost mm. why you look. That's why they're League One players. Oh, you know, oh, that's yeah, why they're not yeah. playing at a higher yeah, level. Yeah. Yeah. See, for me though, that's not. I I'm, I'm I don't necessarily see that as a lack of leadership or like a bottle or anything like that. I I think it's a lack of pace. It's a lack of energy. Absolutely, I yeah. don't think yeah. that team is set up to get on the front foot no. in the way that Peterborough do, in the way that Ipswich do, mm. in the way that Doncaster have done this season. That's that's the fundamental problem for me. With me, I don't look at it and think, well, there's no leaders there, and they, they don't want the ball. I look at it and think that they're fairly one-paced, they're fairly pedestrian in midfield, they don't get up the field quickly. I think they're fairly easy at the Stadium of Light for an opposition team to sit deep and defend against, and that for me is much more of an issue than they need leaders. They need someone shouting and kicking backside. No, they need someone who can actually get the ball and run at people yeah. mm. and get defenders on the back foot and get in behind them. That's, that's like uh, Lee Howie said the other week uh, on, on the podcast itself, he says that attack's the best form of defence. You get on the front foot, they've got to sit back. Mm. And that's I, th- I think that's the, a great mindset to have, but we don't have those players. I mean, mm. Aidan McGeady was once that player. I don't think he is anymore. He's more of a yeah. It's more of a, he's got to sit behind the strikers now and yeah. play the balls through. He's yeah, got yeah, the yeah, quality yeah. to do so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's, you know, League One defenders with the greatest will in the world are League One defenders. And, you know, you can set them up to be well organised and difficult to break down. And that's what teams tend to be when they come to the Stadium of Light. Yeah. What you can't turn them into is one on one against talented, fast strikers better defenders than they actually are, yeah. if you know what I mean. Oh, they wouldn't be in League One, exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, that's why you see a team, uh, you know, go up against, I uh, keep coming back, but, but like a Peterborough, and they'll ship four goals in 10 minutes, and then they'll play Sunderland the following week, and they'll be fairly well organised and resolute. And, and you think, well, how on earth is that? And it, it's purely because... Because we allow them to do so. W- yeah, one-on-one. Yeah. Sunderland don't, you know, don't have, for me, the, the attacking players with the... The kind of pace, the trickery, everything that defenders don't like yeah. to really ask mm-hmm. those questions. Is there maybe an argument to be made? Um, coming back to what it's about Ross, that when you look at when you look at the, so the stadium of light, obviously it, it's currently w- one of League One's stadiums, but because of this, like the 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 size of it and the sheer sort of like magnitude of playing in that kind of ground, you look at lads like Luke O'Nine, who's previously played at Adams Park at Wickham, that holds about eight thousand. You know, the 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 the, the jump. Is is it perhaps understandable why that atmosphere seems very daunting if it's not going well? I mean, I'd imagine that maybe that maybe 
6,000 irate Wickham fans doesn't sound very nice, <laughs> but I would hazard a guess that 28,000 Sunderland fans sounds a lot worse. Yeah. I mean, Luke's an interesting uh, example because I, I think he's one who actually who, who relishes it, who, mm-hmm. who, who really does rise to the... Uh, like, we, we were given him to interview uh, beginning of last season uh, they, they did a pre-season training session at the pitch and said, oh, we'll get you some place to interview. And they pulled him across and I thought, I have no idea who this kid is and what he's done. <laughs> and uh, I hadn't actually done my homework and I said, uh, I said, well, of course, the club's not been in this uh, this league for uh, for about 30 years, Luke, and you can tell them all about it. He said, no, well, I've never played in League One before. I've only ever played in League Two. <laughs> oh, right. Sorry about that. Um, and, uh, but but he, he, he rose to the challenge yeah. and he actually, he, after the, but he, he he had an interesting history anyway, didn't he? Where he'd been released by I think it was Watford, was it? And then mm. he'd taken on a personal trainer and gone back. To, and he's so he actually does seem to work at his game. And yeah, but if only everyone was like that, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you sort of, and you can see that in the enthusiasm that he's yeah. got and the running that he yeah. does. But um, yeah, I don't know. Do you blame recruitment for, for 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 the fact that they can't set up, or do you? Do you I think Jack Ross found it hard initially to get players to. To join a club because it'd been on such a downward spiral, yeah. people looked at it and thought. You know I what? think that first summer was, you know, in, in fairness to Jack Ross, I think that in that first summer, it, you know, to a certain degree, it was a case of getting a League One team together, wasn't mm, it? Yeah. You know, yeah. he, he comes in, it was all a bit rushed. The, the takeovers happened. You know, who knows where the scouting was at at that stage? I don't um, think we had a team, it, did we? We didn't have a scouting. Well, that's no, it. No. You know, so. And 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 you know it, it does still feel a bit like this is a squad, as you say, that's kind of been cobbled together over yeah, what what definitely. is now three transfer windows. And you're right, there hasn't been a kind of coherent thread of this is what we want this team to look like. This is how we want this team to play. Mm. Um, and you know the worry would be that Phil Parkinson's going to go into January. He's going to want to make three, four, five signings. Uh, he's probably going to want to, you know, ideally move on two or three just to freshen things up a bit. Yeah. But you're probably going to end up with again a, a squad that's kind of got a bit of everything, but doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily hang together. And you know that, unfortunately, that's what happens when a you change manager, but b you have back to back relegations and you, yeah. you need a clear out and you've just yeah. got to, you know get a squad. Get so you know, yeah, yeah you're right. It, it it doesn't it doesn't feel like a a squad that's been put together for a real purpose, no. other than as you alluded to, we've got to get out of this league somehow. He, he did, I, I did a did the fixtures breakfast with him before the first season, and and he still had, hardly had a team then. Mm. And uh, one of the things he said was, um, "We're going to need a lot of journeymen." And there was a bit of grumbling in the audience, and he said, "No," he said, "Look, journeyman to me is someone with experience." Yeah. And he said, yeah. "He said, I'll, I'll um, put it this way: if your boiler needs fixing, would you rather have someone who's fresh out of college or someone who's been time served for, for, for the past ten years?" Mm-hmm. And everyone went, Ooh, and he said, "Well, that's the sort of players I'm going to have to sign yeah. just to get." But it does feel like they've still got those players yeah. that haven't yeah. really moved yeah, yeah, up yeah, yeah. to yeah. the to the next yeah. level yet. Yeah, there's an element of that, isn't there? Yeah. Very interesting question here from, um, uh, I don't know how to say this surname, so I'm going to try, but if I'm wrong, then I do apologise. It comes from Michael Donerkey, who's a Hibs fan, who've obviously just appointed Jack Ross. He says, do you think Jack Ross will come back for any players in January? McGeoch or even McNulty would definitely be welcome back at Hibs. What do we think about that one? We'll go to you, Anth. Sorry, I missed that. <laughs> what was the question? Useless. Sorry, I was 
too yeah. busy focusing on other things happening in the room. That's that's fair enough. <laughs> okay, yeah. So the question was, it was from Michael, who's a Hibs fan, and he says that basically, do you think Jack Ross will come back for any of his other players that he signed here? <sighs> who, who would he want to take back? Uh, Dylan McGeoch? Uh, uh, probably he'll end up uh, tracking back there. He's not getting his game here. Yeah. He's pretty talented the indiv- as an individual, um, but we don't seem to find a place for him uh, under Parkinson or under Ross. Uh, we've struggled to find any anywhere for him I can't see him bringing, taking anybody else maybe if Charlie White could do a job up there someone big and bustling like a Scottish striker striker the <laughs> the quintessential Scottish striker yeah. perhaps mm-hmm. um, but I can't I can't fathom that would be there to the detriment of the club getting mm-hmm. rid of anybody to Hibs I mean the strange thing is for all the for all the level of cost cutting that there's been and for all that you know as we've said you, you know we don't have the players on the the wild wages that we had in the past. I still suspect most players in this Sunderland squad will be being paid more than Hibs will pay, um, you know, other than their very top whack. So mm-hmm. I could, yeah, I could, I could potentially see a, a McGeeck, um heading back up there. You know, it's, it's kind of been mooted in various transfer windows. And, yeah. and you know, as, as Andy said, he's, he's not getting his game, but you know, I, I still think most of the players who come into this Sunderland squad, your, your, your Griggs, your Wikes, Clearly, your McGeady's, um, you know, even even the lads at the back. I suspect they're on what Hibbs would probably struggle to to pay. Mm-hmm. What about um, uh, Ozturk? Because he's another one who isn't was obviously healed. He, he was quite a prominent figure in Scotland with Hearts. Yeah, Ross yeah, signed Hearts. him. Yeah, uh, he's he's not getting much game time. Is he one that could plausibly leave? I imagine so. Um, if if, yeah. if Jack Ross fancies him, he did start to get a game under Jack Ross towards yeah. the towards end of the his end. tenure. Yeah. But there was nothing. Um, I mean, it's although he's a cult figure, he, I don't think he'd be sorely missed here. Um, mm. I, 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 to be honest, there's, there's, even Will Grigg, if he was to disappear, I can't see any fans sobbing tears over him. Oh, definitely not. But I, I don't think. I don't think. I don't think he would be in there. Well, I mean, I, again, I, I don't know what price tag we would put on Grigg, theoretically oh, speaking. Twenty quid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I would. I'll give you Will Grigg and twenty quid <laughs> as an assurance. Yeah. yeah. The, a, that's like the wild card one is maybe John McLaughlin. Yeah, yeah, yeah good shout. Yeah. Which would you know, if if Hibbs came down and asked the question, that might that might be interesting. You know, if he if he's going to be your number two keeper, but clearly he's going to want to try and play for Scotland as long as he can. He's you know he's he's clearly not getting any younger. Mm-hmm. If was he thirty one? He's certainly in his thirties. Yeah. yeah. If, I mean, if you're, you know, if you're Phil Parkinson and think, well, do you know what? I can maybe move him out there, get a little bit something in. Depend. I, it probably depends a lot on how ready they think Anthony Patterson is to be a number two. Or, but, but I mean, you know, you you can sign number two goalkeepers. You know, in the lower leagues, the cheap. relatively cheap and easily yeah. that might yeah. free you up a bit of money or a bit of leeway elsewhere. So that could move. be one that will be interesting. It's. It, it, I mean, certainly. I would imagine McLaughlin came in last season as the new number one. And I think while we aren't splashing loads of wages on players, you know, he would probably have, you'd imagine, one of the more favourable chunks yeah. if we were dishing yeah. him out. So you would yeah. imagine... Or perhaps that, he doesn't, and that's why the contract deal is struggling Proving so difficult, yeah. 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 Maybe. Yeah. Well, regardless, though, I think you, you would free up wages off the bill. Yeah. And you, you know, I'd imagine that would probably we wouldn't part with them for nothing. I would hope we wouldn't, because you could get money for them, I, <laughs> yeah. I would imagine. You know, Hibs won't be won't be stacked, but they should have. Yeah, something. I mean, yeah, it 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 wouldn't be an awful lot, but it, it, it I think it would be more just you know freeing up that wage to then manoeuvre and and play around with elsewhere. That oh. I suspect Phil Parkinson's going to have to do you know a, a fair bit of in yeah. January. 
We're going to talk with that lad, that Camberry, who we were linked with about two seasons ago. Oh, he's, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. still there, I'll take him. <laughs> yeah, he's not very good, though, is he? No, I don't no. care. <laughs> <laughs> just get some new names in. Yeah, why yeah. not? Just, 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 he's got a cool he's name. Got a, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's a foreign name. Get him up front. So, yeah, on, yeah. 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 That's pretty much how it works. Yeah. You know what? That's the same argument I say, right? That my dad got Simon Grace, and he was like, Simon Grace, and he was like, he's just some bloke from Yorkshire. I was like, you see, he's some bloke from Yorkshire, right? But... If he was called Simone Graziano yeah. and he was from the Serie B in Italy, he'd be like, right, we'll get him. Yeah, sounds yeah, mint. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it literally, there is there is definitely a yeah. thing where like, if a player has a cool sounding foreign name, you they can get away with it. Yeah, yeah, they are perceived from the outset as being a better player than but what they there, might be. There is the other side of that in the 90s when West Ham signed Florin Radicoyu when he was god awful, but he had a great name. Name, yeah. yeah. So, well, we had loads of those. Well, we had yeah. Tori Andre Flo. A legend. Yeah. Anthony Latalic. Uh, yeah, even better. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant football. Lillian Laz. Laz yeah, Lans, yeah, Lans, yeah. What a Lans, yeah. What a name, My Christian Oof. Get them all now, aren't Christian we? Christian Riveros, Patrick Umbomber, Brian yeah. Dean. No, <laughs> no, no, no. The, the, the absolute quintessential one was um, oh, Marcus Angeleri. Okay, because he was like a was, really handsome man. But he was pretty. Yeah, he was. like Argentine Jesus, wasn't he? He was unreal. Like. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I digress. You um, do we, digress we have a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> I don't know how to. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. you had a hard enough time getting here. Yeah. Like, yeah, I did, yeah. 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 If, we, if we left you in this room now, like. <laughs> It'd be like one we, of the escape rooms, wouldn't it? Yeah, if we like spun you around three times and then put a blindfold on, like, you, you, wouldn't, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know your pancake Tuesday for me, Sheffield Wednesday. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't in general. So, That's yeah. all right. <laughs> anyway, we have one last question from Neil Hughes, which is a nice one to end with. He says, Is the Gillingham FA Cup replay game now a must win? Would you be bothered if we were knocked out and then had no distractions and only the league to be focused on? There's probably two sides of that coin, but we'll start with you, Scott. What do you think? Well, so the first thing I say is that I'm going. I'm going down to cover it. So inevitably, <laughs> the, the, the key thing is Unlucky. no extra time, no penalties, yeah. right? It, it, win or lose, let's get it done in 90 minutes. He'll uh, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Flooded at half time. Yeah, yeah. I, I want the game finished. Yeah. Ideally, no extra time. Um, can I wait for you to report nil nil something on 16 15 on penalties? penalties. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah, more likely win one nil on penalties. Yeah. Um, I mean, it kind of goes back to where we started, actually, doesn't it? So, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter, does it? You know, it doesn't matter if you know, Sunderland are not going to win the FA Cup, they're a bigger fish to fry, etc. etc. So, you know, no, fundamentally, it's not the end of the world if Sunderland go down there and get beat. The flip side to that is that it's just another defeat. It's another setback. It adds to the narrative that nothing's changed, that, you know, everything's doom and gloom, that mm. things are going downhill. Um, and it just makes it more difficult for Phil Parkinson then to try and get a bit of momentum and get a bit of positivity and, and you know, get things back on track once we switch back to the league. So I, I guess that's a long-winded way of, <laughs> of saying that, um, that not the end of the world, but... At some stage, this is this has got to turn, hasn't it? Yeah, At some stage, there's yeah. got to be some the momentum. Way, there's got to be yeah. some positivity, and you know, for all that, for all that, fans will say, Leeson dot com trophy, absolute load of rubbish. Couldn't care less. In the ten or twenty minutes. At full time after Scunthorpe, so you know my social media feed was just kind of awash with fans. What the hell's going on? You know, <laughs> this is the lowest of the low. Yeah. It's never been as bad before. Blah blah blah. And and and, and you know, I've, so you will you you will get that if they if they go and lose and put in another pretty average performance at Gillingham. So I think it probably you know I I, I think it does matter to a degree. Yeah. yeah. People forget that we got beat off Bury under Roy Keane 
Uh, yeah. they, were, they were nearly bottom of League 2 at the time. Yeah. And Arnold Riera got sent yeah. off and it yeah, was yeah, a yeah. nightmare. Um, that, that was the lowest ebb, if you yeah. ask me personally. That's the worst fixture mm-hmm. in the recent history yeah. of the club. Yeah. But Not Bob, statistically, Bob's, but... Bob Stoker, Bob Stoker and Ian Potterfield will be twisting in their grave thinking that the FA Cup can't be won this this year. I, I think we can win the FA Cup. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're still in the competition. That's true. I mean, you're not wrong. That's true. You're, wrong. That's like, true. you're, you're, you're in, like, in, in, the, in the most insulting way possible. We are still in the competition. But like the, the way I look at it, and again, if, if you're ever the optimist, Anth, then I'm, I'm ever the pessimist because I look at it and I just think this is just a chore and a half, this oh, whole thing. Look, I mean, you look at it, right? You look at this game and no matter which outcome there is, people are going to mourn and I can totally <laughs> yeah. get why. I'm, I'll am i be one of them yeah. because that's what I, that's who that's, I am. That's what you do. That's, yeah. that, that's, that's what I do. Yeah, yeah look, yeah. if you lose this, as, as Scott says, it adds to the narrative of nothing has changed. It adds to the whole thing of, oh, it's another loss. It's another, it's another strike against Parkinson's name. It's another reason to mount the pressure for when the league games come around. It makes those even, games... Even if we just win 2-1, we'll still get the winges. 1-0, we'll still get the winges. We should be pummeling teams like Gillingham, blah, blah, blah. But, here, but here's the thing, though. I don't though, care if we win. I, I, we I, win look at it, I look at it and I think you lose, obviously, it adds to, it adds to that narrative yeah. and it definitely does because regardless of how insignificant the game is, regardless, it's a competitive fixture with full Parkinson Sunderland and he's lost it. Yeah. If, that, if that transpires, yeah. then it transpires and it doesn't look good. Equally, if you win... Then the the issue there is okay. Like it's le- obviously it's it's obviously it's always better to win than to lose. You know it's naturally the better outcome. Of course it is. But you look at it and you just think, right? We're now in the second round of the FA Cup. We've had to play two games already yeah. in this competition. You know, Parkinson need. We want Parkinson. I mean, I do to have the time to work on his identity with the team in training. I don't want him to have a relentless flurry of games with no time in between to catch his breath. Yeah. Yeah. We we'll have I, been I relatively identityless yeah. for too long now. We yeah. haven't got an identity. Yeah. Well, that's it. It's demoralising if you lose, and it's irritating if you win. The way yeah. I see it, and <laughs> it's just it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it is, it's, a, it's annoying. Yeah. I think it's just an I, annoying I think you've predicament. Hit, I think you hit. So, you know, I understand why fans will say, "For God's sake, why are you mourning about having to play football matches? You professional footballers, you got a big enough squad." You know, just get on with it, play the games. And, I, and, you know, yeah, fine, I understand that. I think the bigger issue with Phil Parkinson, as you've hit on there, is he actually wants to get 10 days or so where he can train this lot yeah. together. And 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 that's what he hasn't had. And I think that's why we, you know, we heard suggestions that they might be looking to try and get this game moved, mm. uh, you know, because having called off the Bristol Rovers game and, and all of a sudden you think you've got that block, then you get your Gillingham replay thrown in and it's two days of travelling and half your squad goes down, fewer yeah. away on internationals, there'll be two or three injured lads that stay up at home, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, you get back and you then got two days to prepare for your next league game and you're mm-hmm. back onto that treadmill. So I think... You've got no time that's, there. To... That's the issue. You know, it's not... It's not these are professional footballers who can't play three days a week. They can't, of course they can. But since he's walked through the door, in fairness to Phil Parkinson, the one thing he hasn't had is that opportunity to block off a decent chunk of time to say, right, that's what you were doing under mm-hmm. Jack Ross. That's what I want to change. This is what I want you to do under me. I, f- I feel that that gap between Phil Parkinson joining and the transfer window to where he can make those changes is far too big and perhaps we'll lose more than we expect to. Mm. Um, and before he can he can implement whatever identity yeah. he's got, I think perhaps the the transfer window will come too late and we'll have lost six or seven yeah. by then and uh, that's going to be a right struggle to get promoted. But if we can get somebody exciting up, up top, that's, all we need is someone who unlocks the door, puts the ball in the back of the net. And that's, that's, that's all. We, someone exciting for the fans to get behind and 
I've, I, mean, I went to the South End game and I've never been so so dejected. Mm. Even though I knew we were going to win once we went one nil up, there was nothing about was nothing. South End. Yeah. I was yeah. the same. But I, I yeah. just, I just and felt you, you this is awful. Yeah, and it isn't the case. And again, this is this is me whinging, but like it is, it isn't the case that just because you win, you have to be happy about it. Mm. Because I look at that game and I just think, I mean, yeah, of course we were going to win because we won by default before the ball was kicked because they are that bad. Like you, you, you physically couldn't lose it. Yeah. But didn't they get beat seven one the week before as well? well yeah, yeah, but yeah. but again, and again, and while I don't expect Sunderland to beat yeah. Don to, to beat Southend seven one just because Doncaster did. Yeah, you've put one goal past them. You got one lovely header from Luke O nine that made the difference. While we were playing attack and football, yeah. while that was happening, but then once that goal went in, like I say, we sat back and we passed the ball about at the back for about twenty minutes. Well, it, it was mm. there was just well, that, but again, the, uh, as but you're right, and and that's it. That's precisely it. There was a moment of quality that won you a game but yeah. when you're playing and again this is this is me maybe sounding a bit self-entitled but I don't care because we should be a good team and Southend are terrible but you look at it and you just think right it, we shouldn't depend on one shard moment of quality to win yeah. you a game you should be able to dominate them from the off and get three two three four goals you should win that game comfortably while scoring multiple goals it shouldn't take one and then the rest of the game be us like um and an R about getting forward and and not really when we were getting forward we didn't look like we had any ideas you know these were they were crap on the flip side though if we'd went out there and attacked all day and then they nicked an equaliser or the god forbid they'd won it would would not be saying oh we've played exciting football well done would have uh, would, mm. would basically be self deprecating again and mm. but 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 then but then but then what we but then what you would say is is that if we're meant to be a team pushing for promotion in League One play like that. we should we should be able to play attacking football against a poor team and beat them and that should be without any questions asked yeah you know but ugh, it just didn't didn't yeah no yeah no I, think, I mean you're you're absolutely right and I, I just think you know it, it comes down to how how good is this squad. Mm-hmm. You know how 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 good is this squad? Is it way superior to you know the 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 other squads in the top half of League One, and therefore you know it should be wiping the floor? And I I just I I you know everything that you know all the record from the last eighteen months would suggest it's not. So yeah, you know you you've got to then you've got to find a way of improving the way that they play, or you've got to make those astute acquisitions in January to improve the areas that, you know, we've yeah. talked about all the way through now that, you know, it's fairly obvious where the major deficiencies are. What are your thoughts on Will Grigg? Uh, personally, I'll, I'll put a bit of context on it. I was overjoyed when he signed, mm. but then I hadn't realised that <clears throat> uh, before he joined us that he barely played. He yeah. was always, or pretty much always, on the bench for Wigan, um, yeah. and he... He struggled to get any game time because he wasn't scoring goals. Now we we signed him for four million, and he was our he was our saviour. Yeah. He was going to be brought in, and everything was going to be fine. But I, I, I think mm-hmm. obviously something happened before he came in. So what was what's your thoughts? On I I mean, I look at Will Grigg, and I I don't I struggle to see what how he scores a lot of goals. If that makes yeah. any kind of sense, because yeah. I you know I, I see his game, and I think well. You know, you're not particularly tall and muscular, so you're not going to lead the line and have balls thrown in. But by the same token, you're not lightning fast, so you're not really a play on the back of a of a defender and getting behind them in the way that maybe a Madger was when you know when he was yeah. doing so well at the start of last season. He's not really that player. Um, I mean, he, you know, he, he, his movement in the in the penalty area is okay, so that's probably where the, when he's playing well, the strength of his game is. But I just I just think a lot of it of, of Grig is clearly 
confidence and kind of touch and being in the right place at the right time and you know the big and Jeff kind of talked about it he got off to a bad start and it's it's just never looked like Sorry. improving since that's yeah. the worry that you know you, you don't you don't look at him and think well you know, if only that part of his game would click, then it's easy to see yeah. where a massive improvement could come from. I That's agree. my big worry with Will Green. What the, my, my worry is when Mark McNulty comes on, he looks so much more uh, efficient. Yes. Uh, he comes on, he's, 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 yeah. he's everywhere. He looks more threatening, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Um, yeah. I, don't, I, I also don't get why people are calling his weight. There's a lot of people questioning his weight and uh, that he looks unfit. No, I think. Um, I th- yeah, I mean, I, I, I think if at League One, you're not going yeah, to be. In the yeah, exactly. I, I, I think that's just his build, isn't it? Yeah, you know, he's it. not. You know, he's not a real live wire. You I, know, I, I can't understand. We're not. We're not expecting everyone to look like Ronaldo. We need people to go out there and try, and which is what McNulty does. Yeah, he, he goes out there. He, he he just he's everywhere. He's like I think you'd have to say at the minute that he's. You know, he, he is a. He will be a better bet than Greg. Yeah, in but, terms but of we, I, I can also see the appeal in trying to get Greg on and bang goals in. Yeah. Just please, God, give him a goal. But yeah, we've, we've got the to um, get him going. But yeah. you know, yeah. Um, you kind of can't do that forever, though, can't you? No, no. We've got. I mean, he scored that goal against Grimsby, which was the winner, yes. the three-two game. Yes, and I thought, oh, well. champion, we've, we yeah. can sort of build on this, yeah. and then. And to be fair, his League Cup goal, um, Burnley, wasn't it? Yes, was, was a lovely yeah. finish. Oh, the you know, great that was, a, that, corner, that was yeah. a really good goal. Yeah. But, um, but then you know you kind of. But like, like I say, against Grimsby, sorry, when he when he scored the goal against Grimsby, we thought, oh, yeah, we can build on that, and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. then Jack Ross dropped him for the next game. Yeah, was mm. it Parkinson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was dropped for the next game, and I thought, well, if you're going to build his confidence, he's just scored the winning goal in a cup game. Yeah, fair enough, it was midweek, and now we've got a game on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it would have been uh, lovely for them to uh, to do that to yeah. carry on and yeah. build a bit of momentum for yeah. him personally, really. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd still, as I said earlier in the pod, I still think once he gets fit, that Parkinson will want to play Wyke. Yeah, because that's part of Parkinson's game, isn't it? Plays. I think he sees that as, you know, I'm an my method in League One yeah. is, to, is to play like that, if you know what I mean. So I, I, I advocate 4 4 2. I balls me. I love 4 4 2. Just get them all out, old, old, like old fashioned. Just yeah, get well, them I, out. You there. know, I, I, I think as soon as Wyke's right, and, you know, the suggestions would seem to be that he shouldn't be too far away once we get back to the league stuff, then. Um, I think I think he'll be in. Yeah, well, I think that's probably a probably a good time to end that today, boys. I think uh, if we can if we bring things towards the end as we normally do when we end the pods, we have the score predictions mm. for the the next two forthcoming games: oh, the Gillingham game and the Coventry game. You know, to yes. to fix some shit that we can't wait for, given how recent <laughs> things have been. We'll start with you, Scott. Give me what you think the Gillingham game will be in the goal scorers, and do the same for Coventry. Okay, well. As I've said, because I'm down there, Gillingham will inevitably be 1-1. Yeah. Uh, so I suspect uh, Sunderland will take the lead. Maguire, 47. Gillingham will equalise, just as I'm finishing off my match report. <laughs> so about 85 to then send it into extra time. Redo your last three paragraphs. Absolute rubbish period of extra time with nothing happening whatsoever. So it'll finish 1 1. It'll go to penalties. Uh, and on all previous evidence, Sunderland will lose 4 3 oh. on penalties. So oh, there's that. Um, Coventry in the league, I would. I mean, I think Coventry have, Coventry have been pretty good at home, haven't they? Um, which is a kind of a surprise with everything that's been going on. You wondered about that. Oh, um, I haven't a clue. <laughs> but. Uh, I, I, no, I, I can see. I, I, I would, I would take Sunderland in there. So let's go two-one. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with for 
the Gillingham game, I think it's quite a high-profile fixture. I think it's very prestigious. There's a lot on the line, and um, the players will realise that. And I, but I, th- I think they'll rise to the occasion. I really do. I think they'll really, they'll really just take it all on board. And um, I think we'll win two one. And I think we'll win from a goal from Maguire and a goal from McNulty. Right. Uh, Coventry. I think that'll be a tricky one. I think we'll win. Uh, I think we'll win one nil. I think we'll do well defensively and hold them off. And I think we'll get a goal from Willis just for the crack. Yeah. 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 And for Europe. Eh, uh, Gillingham, I think we'll we'll thump them with 4-0 and you'll be fine. You'll get Good. yourself home on time. I'll give you some of You'll be fine. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll take a McNulty hat-trick and uh, one off Will Griggs' backside will do. That'll be fine. Um, Can he? Then uh, Coventry unbeaten in seven, as I've just checked. Not Until now. <laughs> hey, yeah. And uh, we go out there and we'll uh, we'll draw one to piece. 1-1 yeah. one, one again. I, apo- I apologise for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's that's the probably the most positive I can be. <laughs> to what just to throw one in? To what extent do you think that Coventry game last season changed the whole Jack Ross thing? Because I do think there's an element of that. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think that that was the day when he just thought, God, you know, we cannot defend like this. We need we need to change our mindset. Yeah, and but was a from that, and from that from that point onwards, yeah. I mean, he he changed the defense, but I think he also. Kind of, you know, the default setting, if you like, became even more conservative. Mm-hmm. That that when you know when things were going wrong, it was we need to keep more clean sheets. We can't defend mm-hmm. like this. It wasn't. Yeah. Let's get on the front foot and score four goals at yeah. home again. It, you know, and I and I do, I do think that that was a really pivotal moment in last season that Coventry game. I say this in the most dignified way for Ross, but I think it scared him. Yeah, I, I think I think he saw um, what was it, Jordi Huula, Bright and Abakare, yeah. and they tore. They tore the defence to pieces. They absolutely ran riot. Just couldn't deal with pace, could they? No, no I, you know what? Yet. And I look at it and I think I look mm. back and I think that our goals, all four of them, were, I think I think they were flukes. <laughs> I do. I think I think five four flatters us. I think five nil would have been a fair scholar because yeah, yeah. we were utterly destroyed that yeah. day. Yeah. So I look at it and I, and I do just think that yeah, but it, it's again it's one of those many learning curves that we've had really. So it's just a case of hoping that what we have currently and what we have had a chance to work on is improved upon because we do just need some semblance of positivity but anyway that'll leave us there today that's that's uh yeah not again not the most cheery roker report podcast but we are a product of what we've had to put up with so it is what it is and at least i was on at, at, at least yeah. i've got here you know what i mean you, you've, you've you've really got to to take the positives when you get them we've, we've got it. we've got anthony in the studio which is which I is found, um, i found the place we found the place yeah it was touch and go for a long time but you we got you got here you've said some words oh, that was great so thank you very much for listening to the podcast today and here's to hopefully something anything at all that's a win Thank you and good night. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.